Now, on to hopefully some more joyful news. Uh, I hope you have had a wonderful week. I know a lot of you, how many of y'all were out of town last week? Raise your hand if you were out at the beach or up in the mountains or somewhere. I hope that you had a great time of getting away to get refreshed and revived. And, you know, we all need some time like that, don't we? Don't we all need to get, a, get away from things a little bit? Christy and I were able to get away this past week. Uh, we left on Monday and we went up to Asheville for a spiritual retreat at the Cove. Uh, and we had a chance to visit our youngest daughter, Sydney, while we were up there. And that was really good uh, to be able to have that time. And we were also with some friends, Dennis and Debbie Crehan. Is Debbie here? I, she might have gone with Dennis this morning. He's preaching somewhere. Uh, and uh, the uh, pastor from Macedonia Church, Greg, and his wife, Janice Sexton. So it was good to be with some friends. But our reason for going was to listen to one of our favorite preachers, Bob Russell, and the teaching was just tremendous. So we had a great time of spiritual renewal and revival. So we certainly understand we need to get away from time to time. But you know what happens after you get away? You got to come back. Yeah, we need to come back. We need to come back together and to worship together. And if, if we can come each week and worship God and get a little bit refreshed every week, I believe God will help us go throughout our week. And let's face it, we need some help sometimes to make it through the week. How many of y'all feel that way? Like sometimes, I just need some extra help, Lord, just to get me through the week. I think one reason we need this time is because, you know, we're all carrying a load of stress. There are pressures that can weigh us down. And every Sunday we come to worship is an opportunity to let it go. I read this story about a guy. Do y'all know anybody that sort of doesn't want to get rid of old stuff? Y'all know anybody like that? They, I mean, we, we call them hoarders, right? Okay. But there was this one guy, George Hartsuff, I read about. He actually ended up in jail because he refused to do anything. The neighbors were complaining about his backyard, and he, he just would not you know, clean it up. City officials had been asking for him to clean it up since the year 2000. They took some court action in 2002 to sort of force his compliance. But on July the 5th, 2007, he still hadn't done anything. So authorities put him in jail for 30 days to clean out the boats and the crab pots and the vending machines and other assorted debris that littered his Maryland backyard. And when he failed to do so entirely, he was sentenced to another 60 days. Hartsuff and his lawyer insist they're doing their best to tidy things up. Seven years? <laughs> uh, they've already, they say they already hauled away four 30-yard dumpsters full of uh, stuff. But still the city says, hey, you're not doing enough. Uh, the county spokesperson, Tracy Reynolds, said, the cycle will keep going until the property is cleaned up. The site would get cleaned a bit. And it got messy again. It was never brought into compliance. Now, you know, maybe you know somebody like that. Maybe you, you know that there are things that go on like this. Maybe you have problems getting rid of stuff uh, like sometimes we do. But people hoard things that many times are of no value and even cause problems in their lives. 
We have been getting rid of a lot of stuff at our house. And, uh, you know, I, I almost feel like just I don't even want to look at it. I just want to toss it all because I'm afraid if I look at it, I'll decide, oh, I want to keep that thing there. If I had to look at each thing and go through the emotional turmoil of letting it go, I might not do it, right? But this is also true, not just of human waste and garbage, but also of our spiritual lives. We fail to get rid of things. We want to hold on to things, even those things that are detrimental to us. And maybe the problem is that we think that it will take too much effort or too much work we don't want to do the work that's going to be needed to bring about change. And that's why most people don't like change. Or sometimes we just like the way things are. And uh, we like being angry or we like being bitter and mean. As hard as it sounds, I think there are some people who are like that. They prefer to be bitter and mean rather than let it go. Otherwise, they would have to be vulnerable. And the defense mechanism is to push love and forgiveness and vulnerability away and cling to what we know. So, however, God has a better solution for us. You see, this baggage we want to hold on to isn't helping us. It's hurting us. Far too many people walk around carrying heavy baggage from years of mistakes and hurts and pains and bad choices. And in Jesus, we know the scripture teaches there is no condemnation for our past mistakes because we are given the gift of eternal grace when we repent of those things and we come to him. So it's time to unpack all the worthless weight we're carrying around and learn to live free. Some of the baggage we carry around with us is bitterness and angry because of past pain and frustration. And this can spill over into our current and our future relationships and create some collateral damage. We have to let it go. We have to choose forgiveness. We have to repent in order to be kind and tenderhearted and loving towards others. So today we're beginning this new three-week series called Baggage by Learning to Let It Go. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 through 32, we read, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Friends, the big idea for this message today is this. There are certain things in our lives that we simply need to let go of in order to grow in our walk with Christ. And I hope today as we go through these things that you will evaluate yourself, that you will use the Word of God as a mirror to reflect the things that are in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, things that you're holding on to that you need to let go of. Father, as a human infected with sinful desires, I know I often choose to stir up bad attitudes in and out of my life. Show me how to flee these evil attributes and replace them with more of your own qualities 
Allow me to show others what Jesus Christ looks like and how to be a, effective in seeking your guidance. And Father, we need help with letting go of this baggage in our life. I ask, Father, that your Spirit would open our hearts today to the message you want us to hear. Help us to listen, to understand, and be determined to make the changes that you're calling us to make. And I ask, Father, that uh, you would lead us in this path. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, when it comes to letting go of issues in our lives, the first thing we have to do is we have to know the issue. We have to know the issue. The first words in our text are, get rid of. This could be also translated, let it be removed and have no more to do with it. In Colossians 3, 8-9, we read almost the identical same command. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Obviously, to let go of an issue, we have to first understand what the issue or the problem is. We have to recognize it for what it is. In Ephesians uh, passage that we read and is our text for today, Paul identified seven specific things that believers need to get rid of and cut out of their lives. So let's look at each one of those things real quick. Bitterness. Now, bitterness is a settled state of animosity with no chance of reconciliation. Do you have bitterness towards someone in your heart? Rage. Rage is described as wrath, a passionate anger that boils up and then subsides. You, you can think of somebody that might be hot-headed. You know, road rage. Is that an issue that you have? Do you get angry, hot-headed, real quick? Anger, a natural impulse or desire, a temper, agitation of the soul, a violent emotion. And then there's brawling, which to me, brawling would be people, you know, you know doing that kind of stuff. But actually, it means a, a, an outcry or clamor. Think, think of angry shouting, people shouting at other people. Raised and strident voices. Someone trying to shout down somebody else. You know, it seems like in our culture, we're seeing this more and more. This is expected almost. And then there's slander, which is injurious speech from the Greek word blasphemia. Speak evil against another person. Running down another person's character, attacking the reputation of those with whom one is angry, creating an evil feeling towards others. And then there was malice, an ill will, a bad feeling, an intent to harm or do evil to another person. Attitudes that do not have the other person's best interest in mind. And finally, there is unforgiveness. Now, this is an unwillingness to offer grace to people. I mean, we want God to forgive us, but we won't forgive the other person. And as you look through those issues, notice that each of them 
has to do with our relationship with each other and other people. You could say that in holding on to these issues, we are willing to break God's law. I'm willing to sin myself in order to hold on to this bad attitude. Remember uh, when a guy asked Jesus what the greatest commandment was in Matthew 22? We read that in verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment uh, in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And Jesus continued and said, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now by holding on to these harsh feelings towards others, we are letting go of love. We let go of our love for God in order to hold on to this anger and hatred. We let go of our love for others rather than letting go of our evil intentions in our heart. And honestly, this list is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the range of negative emotions and feelings and attitudes we can often have around us. But where do, we, uh, where do they all come from? Where do these attitudes, where do these issues come from? Surely it's not like uh, we just wake up in the morning and decide we want to be angry and bitter today. I mean, I've never heard anybody say, I sure hope somebody does something mean or awful to me today because I just want to be angry and mean and withhold forgiveness. You know, I've never heard anybody say that. And yet, if we're honest about it, there are many of us who are silently holding on to bitterness and anger and envy in our hearts towards others. So the first step to letting it go is identifying what we're carrying around. We need to look deep in our heart and our soul. Annie Chapman wrote in Today's Christian Woman these thoughts. Having traveled full time for 14 years doing concerts, I should have packing down to an exact science. But it's simply not so. Our family of four always leaves home loaded with a humiliatingly inordinate amount of excessive baggage. It's possible to go through life with excessive emotional baggage as well. Hurts and memories can make us unable to move toward emotional intimacy. It is vital to our spiritual and emotional growth that we identify these hurts because Christ cannot heal suffering we insist isn't there. And without His healing, the weight of excess baggage will wreak havoc on our capacity to love and to be loved. So here are a few ideas to help get the identification process started. Bring the process to the Lord in prayer. Bring it to God. Ask that God would reveal any areas that you are holding on to that He wants you to let go of. Now, two weeks ago, we invited our congregation to bring our burdens to the cross and pin them there on the cross. And as you can see the cross over in the corner, over 70 people brought their burdens, their sins, their griefs, their hurts, their sorrows, their struggles, and they pinned them to the cross. This is a starting point. Last week, I spoke to you about prayer. 
I talked about being precise in our request, passionate for God's will, and faithful in prayer. And when we do this, we need to specifically ask God to reveal the issues that are characteristic of the flesh or of the world. We need to seek out passionately to be more like Christ and less like the world. In James 1.5, we read, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should do what? Let me say that again. I sort of surprised you. Uh, he said, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should do what? Ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. So friends, if we will faithfully do this, we can begin the process of identifying the issues that separate us from God. We can know deep down what that issue is. But when you go to God in prayer, you can't make excuses and think that it's okay. Going to God and honestly asking God to help you is the beginning of the process to getting rid of these issues in your life. Another thing we can do is bring the process to some trusted spiritual friends. How many of you have somebody that you consider a trusted spiritual friend? Raise your hand if you've got somebody that is that person in your life. Now, if you don't have that person in your life, you need to find that person. Maybe your prayer needs to be, God, lead me to the person that I can be totally honest with and know that they're going to give me godly advice. Ask that person to help you identify any obvious areas of trouble or blind spots that you may be missing. You know, sometimes we can't see the forest for the trees. Sometimes we're so close to it that we don't even realize that we got this issue. Now, if you find these issues are weighing you down and you're losing sleep and having trouble eating and it's affecting uh, you in uh, other detrimental ways, it's good to seek out professional counselors and advisors in your life. Ask around. Find one that you feel is a good match and schedule an appointment. You know, it's unfortunate that there is a stigma against counseling and therapy in our culture when the fact is the Bible is very much insistent that we find trusted counselors or advisors in our lives. In Proverbs eleven fourteen, we read, Where there is no guidance, a people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs nineteen twenty, we read, Listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. And again, in Proverbs 20, verse 18, Plans are established by seeking advice. Friends, it is important that we seek counsel from godly counselors. Now, I want to be clear about that. There are worldly counselors out there that don't care about the Word of God. They don't care about the instruction of God. And if you seek their counsel, they will lead you down a dark path. But you seek godly counsel. And let's hang out on that thought for just a second. That spiritual advice you need. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 2, we read, Blessed is the one who does not, walk, step, uh, does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on His law day and night. When you seek the counsel of a godly person, 
They will lead you to the law of the Lord. They will remind you of what the Word of God advocates and teaches. In love, they can honestly say, I see this issue going on. They aren't there to condemn. They are there to help you see truth. And may I add that each of us needs to be that kind of person. You and I need to be that kind of godly counsel for other people. We don't need people telling us what we want to hear. We need people telling us what we need to hear. Would you agree with that? In Proverbs 12, 26, we read, The righteous choose their friends carefully, but the way of the wicked leads them astray. Friend, do you want to go to a church that's going to tell you what you want to hear, or do you want to go to a church that's going to tell you what the Word of God says? As a preacher, I know that I have to proclaim the whole counsel of God. I can't just tell you the good news because you, can't, you won't even know it's good news unless you know the bad news. <laughs> if there is sin in your life, you need to repent of it. And we don't need to wash it under the table or you know, hide it. it. You have to come clean with it. If you're being swayed by a culture that is leading you away from God, I have to be honest about that. And if I'm not, I am not worthy of being your preacher. I answer to a higher authority than man. People may not like the truth of Scripture, but I can't worry about that. I have to do what God calls me to do because I know God is going to judge me more harshly than anybody else. And friend, you need to be the same way. If you claim to be someone's friend and you lie to them about what you see or uh, you make them feel like their sinful choices are fine with God and everything's wonderful, you're going to answer to God for that too. And so, unfortunately, will your friends. Until we see the truth, we can't change our circumstances. So know the issue by seeking God and seeking advice from godly friends. And after uh, uh, identifying the issue, bring it into the light. Once you've identified areas of baggage, the next obvious step is to do something about it, to get rid of it, to let it go. But thanks be to God that His plan for you and me is much bigger than just letting it go and being done with it. He's interested in healing us and restoring us and seeing us walk in freedom. So what does bringing it into the light mean? Listen to the words in 1 John 1, 6-9. If we claim to have fellowship with Him yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Now John was writing to a bunch of people who were Christians, but they were still sort of holding on to some things in the darkness. They were still holding on to the baggage of the past. So if, if you are here claiming a relationship with Christ and you are holding on to these issues and not wanting to let them go or not wanting to even deal with them, friend, He is talking to you. 
What does He teach you to do? You need to confess the issue and ask forgiveness, or in some cases even extend forgiveness to others. And God, who is faithful and just, forgives and purifies. So the issue has to be brought into the light. And notice what God can do when we bring it into the light. In Colossians 1, we look in verses 13 through 14. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Things like bitterness and anger and malice and slander and unforgiveness, all of these can be wiped away because of the grace of God. As believers, it's important for us to regularly evaluate ourselves and consider the fruit that we are producing. When we identify and recognize rotten fruit, the baggage, we need to bring it into the light. Now, I know this might sound all amazing and wonderful. Who, who doesn't want to walk in the freedom of the light unhindered by excess baggage? But sometimes people do. In his book of sermons, The Living Faith, uh, Lloyd C. Douglas tells the story of Thomas Hearn, who in his journey to the mouth of the Coppermine River wrote that a few days after they had started on their expedition, a party of Indians stole most of their supplies. And his comment on the apparent misfortune was this, the weight of our baggage being so much lightened Our next day journey was more swift and pleasant. (laughs) It was a good thing. When we get rid of that excess baggage, the stuff that weighs down our journey, we will discover that we can travel lighter. Maybe once we become aware of the baggage, bringing it into the light is that next step. And that may mean talking with someone about our struggle. It may mean confessing to a brother or sister in Christ what that baggage is. Confession seems to have taken on a bad reputation in our culture, but it can have a powerful impact on our lives when it comes to this baggage we're carrying around. Now, there are two diverse sources, ancient Christian monasticism and modern psychology. I think those are pretty two diverse sources. But they both agree on at least one thing. Keeping dark secrets can destroy us. And confessing them can set us free. The 5th century Christian spiritual leader, uh, John Cassian, uh, claimed that as soon as a wicked thought has been revealed to God and at least one other Christian, it loses its power. The demonic stronghold of sin is drawn out, as it were, into the light from its dark and deep cave by the power of the confession. For Satan's harmful counsels hold sway in us as they lie concealed in our heart. Now nearly 1,500 years later, a contemporary textbook on psychology reached a similar conclusion. Although they're they're not looking at it from a sinful or demonic point of view. The book Coping with Stress claims that people who tend to keep secrets have more physical and mental complaints on average than people who do not, including greater anxiety, depression, and bodily symptoms such as back pain and headaches. Like Cassian, this book also argues that finding healthy places to share our secrets leads to freedom. 
The initial embarrassment of confessing is frequently outweighed by the relief that comes with the verbalization of the darker, secretive aspects of the self. So what do you do when the baggage is too heavy, too big, too difficult to work through? Well, the last thought is just trust the process. The process of letting go can be long and it can be difficult. I mean, let's, let's face it, a lot of these things that we're dealing with, uh, are, you just don't, it's not like they're gone. No, they're still there. And you have to go through this process. The process of identification can take significantly longer than you might think it could. The process of coming into the light might not be a simple, you know, hop, skip, and jump from one place to another. There may be times when baggage, again, just feels too heavy. The process involves recognizing the problem and replacing the bad attitude, but it also means replacing that bad character trait with godly traits. What good does it do if we get rid of all these things, but we don't try to replace them with the character of Christ. Jesus spoke to this in Matthew chapter 12, beginning in verse 43. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I'll return to the house I left. And when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. And that is how it will be with this wicked generation. So we have to replace these things we are letting go of with the character of Christ. This is actually the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Don't try to stop hating a person. Learn to love the person. Don't try to stop having prejudice or racist feelings you have. Learn to see that person as God sees that person. It might seem impossible for you, but remember, with God all things are possible and we must be willing to trust the process. In 1 Thessalonians 4.3, we read, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. And sanctification is that process of becoming more and more like Christ. And friends, that, that process is a lifelong process. It's not a day. Although it can begin in a day. It's not a day. It's not a week. It's not a three-month internship at your childhood summer camp. It's not a 20-year journey in a local church. It, it's not any of these things. It, it's actually all of those things. The process of sanctification is all of life, and God uses all kinds of situations and circumstances to constantly conform us into the image of His Son. But again, it can begin today. I invited the church to join us in this 100-day prayer journey last week. Um, as we are, you know, our leadership and some uh, other leaders in the church began this, you know, about a, uh, almost a month ago. And we just were seeing so many changes and so many things that God was doing and the movement of God that we said, you know, we, we shouldn't wait uh, for 
a hundred days before we invite the whole body to join us. And so we've invited everybody. Tandemprayer.org is where you can go to. to you just get a little video every, every day and it just reminds you to pray and begin every single day. Don't miss a day of praying with God. But friends, it doesn't end after a hundred days. This is just the beginning. And with that in mind, let me ask you a question. Do you trust God? Do you trust that God has a plan and a purpose for your life? That He will work it all together for good? That there may be situations that the enemy meant for evil, and yet God will use these for good in your life? If the answer is yes, then let go of the baggage and get moving. Today is as good a day as any to say goodbye to the anger and the bitterness that you've been holding on to. It's a good day to let it all go. And as we wrap up today, I want to draw your attention back to the words of Jesus in John chapter 10. This is what Jesus explains to his disciples. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Some translations say, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Friends, the enemy wants to steal and kill and destroy anything good that God wants to bring into your life. One of the ways this can be accomplished is by weighing us down with so much trouble, so much baggage through our life that we simply can't move forward with God. But Jesus has come that we might experience an abundant, full life in the light of His kingdom. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him. Do you trust him? Do you trust that He has a plan and a purpose for your life, that He will work it all out for your good? Friend, that's what we need to do. And if you do really trust Him, let it all go. Throw off the baggage that's weighing you down. Run the race of freedom. Live in the light. Father, today we come to You and we worship You because You have loved us and forgiven us. We ask, Father, that we might examine ourselves and see if there are attitudes we have that need to be let go of. Is there bitterness? Let it go. Is there rage? Let it go. Is there anger? Let it go. Is there an attitude of shouting people down? Let it go. Is there slander? Let it go. Is there malice? Let it go. Are we holding back forgiveness? Father, help us. Let it go. Help us to be forgiving and kind and tender-hearted as your word calls us to do. 
Help us to live and act in such a way as to show the world the character of Jesus. Help us not to be selfish in our attitudes, but to put you first. This isn't only about us. It is really about how the world sees you in us. So, Father, reveal to us the attitudes and the character traits that we need to let go of and the attitudes your Spirit wants to promote within us. Father, I sense you're moving in our church. Move in us now. Lead us where you wish us to go. Reveal to us the changes we need to make. May your Spirit give us the strength to make those changes. Father, our church family has just experienced a tremendous loss. Our brother and our friend, Doug Parker, has passed away. And Father, we just lift up his family to you. and Give them peace. I know Doug was at peace. The last time I saw him, he talked about that. Because he knew where he was going. He understood your mercy and grace. He had put his faith in Jesus a long time ago. So comfort us with that knowledge that he no longer suffers but has stepped into your presence. Lord, lead us this week. Help us to grow closer to you as we let go of our worldly thoughts and attitudes. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.